This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Yes, it is. It's a podcast and you love it. With MP Soraya Peke Mason being sworn in earlier this week on Ratu Tuesday, Parliament achieved gender equality, making Aotearoa one of six nations where women constitute at least half of a country's lawmakers. Although this may be a... Although this may be a momentous occasion, we may need to curb our enthusiasm just a little bit. Former National Party leader Judith Collins pointed out that despite Aotearoa having 60 female and 59 male legislators, this doesn't translate into all women being able to have a fair go, with the member for Papakura adding that there is still much work to be done for achieving gender equality in Aotearoa. Joining me now to talk about Parliament achieving parity, the journey for the journey for women in Aotearoa's politics and what lies ahead is politics professor Janine Hayward from Torakapu at Te Whare Wananga or Otako. Kia ora Janine, how's it going? Kia ora, good, thank you, Zach. Nice. Now Aotearoa has more women lawmakers than men. Uh, would you would you describe this as a as a historic moment? Well, I guess you would, given that that hasn't uh, ever happened before. But I think um, I think. We need to think about uh, how to see this moment um, in terms of its significance because I think it would be a mistake to talk about it as an achievement for women, uh, you know, which kind of somehow implies that finally women have done enough to find themselves able to be represented in Parliament, um, you know, at 50% or just above. And, of course, we know that's not true. Like women have... Um, for, for the longest of times, had the capacity and qualities and characteristics to be there. So I think it's better to think about this as a part of the story of our political parties and our parliament um, rather than a story about women. And I think if you look at it that way, you can see why we probably do need to recognise this moment but also recognise that there is still an awful lot of work to be done because there are still really substantial obstacles in the way for maintaining this position um, that, that the New Zealand Parliament has achieved. Uh, do you think that this, you know, do you think that Parliament having um, as me, well slightly more women, women lawmakers than men has much of, of an effect on the political environment inside Parliament and beyond? Yes, it will, and it does. So we know from overseas studies that when there are more women uh, lawmakers, legislators, it has a substantive um, effect in a number of ways. Um, it changes the way that the institution functions because the way that women want to work has to be uh, taken into account and accommodated uh, more than it would, you know, when there are fewer of them. So this this week we've been hearing some of our um, women who have served earlier in Parliament sharing some really alarming stories about the kinds of circumstances that they confronted when they were... Um, parents at the time of being in Parliament. So we know that having more women there changes the way that Parliament works, but we also know that it changes the kind of laws that a Parliament makes. So where people have studied this overseas, it shows that it has a substantive effect on the types of different types of lawmaking that get attention. So some of the more kind of what you would describe as soft law, and some of that includes environmental issues. Um, as opposed to some of the more kind of hard law that is uh, traditionally seen to be more of the kind of male area of politics. And we also see that women will start to occupy some of those areas that have traditionally been seen to be the male domain, so ministers of finance, um, economics, ministers running really large parts of the economy rather than being um, relegated to some of the smaller types of budget. 
Now, women in Aotearoa have fought for the right to vote in the 19th century, and they gained it in 1893. Uh, Labour MP Elizabeth McCombs became our first uh, woman MP in 1933, and Ginny Shipley became the first woman Prime Minister in 1999. Uh, Would you say that the trajectory of women's involvement in Aotearoa's politics at an institutional level has been a relatively linear progression, an asymmetrical asymmetrical kind of trend, or, or something else entirely? Well, I think it's been, I think we've, We've taken far too long to get to where we are, and I think the really important part of you know the um, events that you just listed. So the bit that New Zealand never talks about is the fact that we gave women the right to vote in 1893, but we didn't give them the right to stand for Parliament then. Mm. So when other countries, you know, hooray for us, we were the first, but really um, we took much longer then than most other countries to allow women to stand for election. So it wasn't until 1919, 26 years later that women got to actually also be elected to Parliament. Now, that is outrageous and ridiculous. And it took a very long time for that law change to happen. When countries who followed us giving women the right to vote changed their law, they did the other simultaneously. So women had the right to vote and stand at the same time. So I think we need to be really careful about thinking that we are leaders and champions in this area when we have probably, if we look at our history fairly, a very poor record in terms of allowing women access to an institution like Parliament um, in a timely fashion. And I think that that's why we have seen some of these obstacles for women persist to the present day. And the two of those that I think are the most significant are the political parties, which, um, you know, this is what we have now won't last with a change of government because we know that this is really the result of having um, a Labour majority. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with a more conservative government, we know what the party lists look like, and the um, leader of the opposition was speaking to this earlier in the week, saying that this is something that the National Party is going to try and address. But it's really systemic. It's going to be hard work for National to turn this around, certainly in time um, for the next election. So we won't see this majority stay. It'll come and go. So I think that, you know, it's the obstacles that we have with our political parties and some of those institutional barriers that women still face that we need to be more honest with ourselves about how poorly we're doing in some of those areas. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you mentioned um, national elections. Uh, the nature of national elections means that every three years the political makeup of parliament changes. Uh, while this moment may be fleeting, do you think we'll be getting more consistent parliamentary gender parity in the future? Well, I hope so. So, you know, you've already had the indications from the National Party that they can see that they need to have a step change to try and meet this expectation now that they will be able to produce parliaments as a government that looks more like this, that looks more like New Zealand. Because there will be less and less tolerance um, for this, you know, as we move on. But I think the other thing we have to do is think about how women are getting elected. So we know that women still really struggle to get elected into New Zealand's parliament through the electorate. There is still something about the standing and running in those campaigns that presents obstacles for women. And we've still got a fair number of um, MPs who come to parliament through that way. So women are tending to come off the list, which is how the parties are producing this... um, proportionality that they're trying to achieve. So again, you know, what do we do about that? We need to have a really good look at some of these obvious obstacles to women still having the same kinds of access to Parliament as their male counterparts. 
In an interview with Radio New, Radio New Zealand, former National MP Marilyn Waring spoke on the culture of misogyny that she encountered in Parliament in the in the 70s and 80s. You know, at meetings that only say gentlemen. Uh, she in, included an anecdote of Ruth Richardson, who was Minister of Finance, uh, breastfeeding in the chamber, and many men being quite dis, you know disgruntled about that. Um, <clears throat> would you say that this culture is still quite prevalent today, or have things changed a fair bit? I mean, I think um, I can't speak to that necessarily. I mean, we know that there have been a number of ways in which Parliament's come under scrutiny. I don't know what it's like to work in Parliament currently, um, you know, in terms of the kinds of issues that those women faced, but there are, you know, dreadful stories, that, and those were a couple that I was thinking of when I mentioned them earlier, of the experiences that women have had. Now, it takes a long time for any institution to change. It's good that we now have an increasing focus on these issues. And I would hope that it is a much better place for women um, to work today. But for whatever reason, it is still, you know, taken this long and probably not going to be something that we can protect and keep to get um, women there in the kinds of numbers that you need to see to get some really significant change happening. Uh, are there many other high-powered political or legal institutions in Aotearoa that have gender parity, or is Parliament quite the exception here? Uh, none that I can think of. Um, I don't know. Do you know of any others? <laughs> I don't, I, it would surprise me because, you know, we know that it tends to be, unless there, unless there are institutions that don't have real power, which is where women will often tend to be able to get themselves elected, there probably aren't. Um, you know, and again, I think that this is one of the issues that we need to really seriously confront. When New Zealand is scored by international institutions in terms of our um, democracy, so Freedom House and some of those other organisations that rank countries in this way, we still lose points on um, the gender pay gap. So, you know, we have a real systemic problem here about this and it flows into most of our institutions, I would say, and it's something that we need to seriously keep confronting and addressing. That was a f***ing Radio 1 podcast, mate. There's heaps more at r1.co.nz.